Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with the latest developments in the Kenyan financial markets. However, due to the interconnected nature of the global economy, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to provide you with a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the local markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. This podcast is targeted at the individual with an interest in financial markets, but who probably doesn't have the time for research and analysis. That's why I created the Market Color podcast to collate and analyze the data on your behalf and to present it in a brief and concise manner that is easy for you to consume. This podcast may also be useful to fund managers and investors, professionals in the financial services sector, business owners and leaders, as well as Kenyans in the diaspora who are looking for investment opportunities back at home. This week, we are reviewing the performance of the Kenyan markets during the 43rd week of 2022, that is from Monday the 24th to Friday the 28th of October. And without further ado, this is your host, Jemu Huri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in Europe, where the European Central Bank on Thursday announced its third consecutive rate hike this year, hiking its main benchmark rate by 75 basis points from 0.75% to 1.5%, a level not seen since 2009 during the global financial crisis. Market participants had also questioned when the central bank would begin to reduce its massive balance sheet of 8.8 trillion euros in a process known as quantitative tightening. However, the European Central Bank has confirmed that its rate hiking cycle is not yet over and said that it expects to raise interest rates even higher to ensure the timely return of inflation to its medium-term inflation target of 2%. Across the Atlantic, the Bureau of Economic Analysis reported on Thursday that the U.S. economy had posted positive economic growth in quarter three of 2022 and thereby eased fears that the world's largest economy was in a recession. The U.S. economy had previously recorded two consecutive quarters of economic contraction, which is considered the textbook definition of a recession. The gross domestic product, which is a measure of all goods and services produced, increased at an annualized rate of 2.6% for the third quarter of 2022. The growth in GDP was mainly due to a narrowing in the trade deficit, but also from the main driver of the U.S. economy, which is consumer spending, 
which accounts for more than two-thirds of U.S. economic activity and rose by 0.6% in the month of September. Staying in the U.S., the Bureau of Economic Analysis reported on Friday that the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, which is the core personal consumption expenditures price index, increased by 0.5% in the month of September and accelerated by 5.1% over the past 12 months. The headline number, which includes food and energy prices, saw inflation rise by 0.3% for the month of September and 6.2% on a yearly basis. This inflation report comes at a time when the Fed Reserve is poised to effect its sixth consecutive interest rate hike for this year at its next policy meeting this coming week. In the U.S. stock market, stock prices rose on Friday as investors found hope in the inflation data that indicated inflation may be easing off and raised optimism that the Federal Reserve could ease off its aggressive hiking of interest rates after its November meeting. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained about 828 points to close at 32,861, while the S&P 500 added nearly 2.5% to close at 3,901, and the Nasdaq Composite increased by about 2.9% to close at 11,102. On a weekly basis, all the three major indices made notable gains, with the Dow Jones index rising 5.7%, while the S&P and Nasdaq were up 3.9% and 2.2% respectively. In the U.S. bond market, Treasury yields rose on Friday as the Federal Reserve's favorite gauge of inflation signaled that the central bank was on cause for a fourth 75 basis point rate hike at its policy meeting next week in November. The moves come after traders absorbed a stronger-than-expected gross domestic product growth of 2.6% in quarter three of 2022. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note was up about 7 basis points to just above 4%, whilst the yield on the policy-sensitive two-year Treasury note was up by 10 basis points to 4.42%. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil eased about 1% on Friday after China, which is the world's largest importer of crude oil, widened its COVID-19 restrictions and in the process reduced demand for travel. However, all the major oil benchmarks were poised for a weekly gain on the back of a regulated supply by OPEC as well as an improved outlook based on U.S. economic growth for quarter three. Brent crude fell 89 cents to settle at $96 a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate fell 88 cents to close at about $88 a barrel. For the week, Brent rose about 2%, whilst the U.S. benchmark was up about 3%. Meanwhile, Marban oil, which Kenya imports, rose to about $95 per barrel, 
compared to $93 the previous week. In the precious metals market, the price of gold fell more than 1% on Friday as the dollar and bond yields rose higher after data showed that inflation remained high, cementing expectations that the U.S. Federal Reserve will hike interest rates at its upcoming meeting. Spot gold fell 1.1% to $1,644 per ounce. Gold is highly sensitive to rising U.S. interest rates as it increases the opportunity cost of holding gold, which does not provide any yield. On exchange rates for the major currencies, the yen fell more than 1% against the dollar on Friday after the Bank of Japan maintained its ultra-low interest rate policy and said that Japan was nowhere near raising interest rates as inflation in Japan remains well below its 2% target level. The yen was last trading at 147.50 to the U.S. dollar. On the U.S. dollar, even though the Fed Reserve is expected to raise rates at its next policy meeting, going forward, the dollar is expected to come under pressure as the Fed begins to pivot towards a slower pace of rate hikes as inflation begins to slow down. Meanwhile, the sterling pound rose against the dollar, adding to gains made earlier in the week following the appointment of Rishi Sunak as Britain's Prime Minister. The pound was up marginally at 1.1612 versus the US dollar and was on track for a weekly gain of around 2.6%. And now we change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. And as is the norm, we begin by looking at the Kenya shilling exchange rates. As per the Central Bank of Kenya during the week under review, the Kenya shilling remained stable against both major international and regional currencies. The Kenya shilling was trading at 121.27 to the US dollar and 140.33 versus the sterling pound and 121.48 against the common European currency. On the regional front, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 31.46 Ugandan shillings, 19.23 Tanzanian shillings, and 8.80 Rwandese francs. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves remained adequate at $7.286 billion. That is equivalent to 4.11 months of import cover and remains compliant with the central bank's statutory requirement to maintain at least four months of import cover. Point to note is that Kenya's foreign exchange reserves have now dropped to their lowest level in seven years, which is a clear indication of reduced foreign funding compounded by a faster growth in imports as compared to exports. The foreign exchange reserves have declined from a peak of $8.81 billion that was recorded at the beginning of the year to the current levels, which is a decline of $1.52 billion in a period of just 10 months. In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market declined 
as tax remittances exceeded and more than offset government payments. Commercial banks excess reserves in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 26 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate at 5.05% compared to 4.98% the previous week. During the week, the average value traded increased to 32.2 billion shillings from 26.8 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 27th of October, and the central bank received bids totaling 18.2 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of 76%. Interest rates increased marginally but remained stable, with the 91-day rate rising by 2.7 basis points to 9.12%, while the 182-day rate ticked up by 1.4 basis points to 9.67%, and the 364-day rate increased by 3.7 basis points to 9.96%. In the primary bond market, the Central Bank of Kenya, acting in its capacity as fiscal agent for the Republic of Kenya, is looking to raise 60 billion shillings for the funding of infrastructure projects through the issuance of a 14-year amortized infrastructure bond whose reference number is IFB1-2022-14. And as is the norm with infrastructure bonds, this paper is expected to elicit a lot of demand as the interest and is exempt from withholding taxes. This bond is now open for sale until the 8th of November and the coupon will be determined by the market. The new bond issue comes at a time when the central bank has recently caved in to investors' demand for higher interest by accepting bids above 14% during the just-concluded bond auction. Bond investors have been pressing for higher interest rates as a result of rising inflation and the weakening of the Kenya shilling, which are two main factors that erode the value of fixed income portfolios. In the equity market, during the week under review, the equities market recorded a mixed performance with the NASI and NSE 25 gaining by 0.1% and 0.4% respectively, while the NSC 20 declined by 1.4%. This takes the year-to-date performance to losses of 23% for the NASI, 12% for the NSC 20, and 17% for the NSC 25. The market's performance was mainly driven by gains recorded by banking stocks such as NCBA Group, which rose by 6.6%, Equity Group increased by 3.2%, and KCB Group was up by 3.1%. These gains were, however, weighed down by losses recorded by other banking stocks, such as Absa Bank, which dropped 3.9%, while Cooperative Bank and Diamond Trust both declined by 1.7%. 
Meanwhile, market capitalization declined by 0.9%, whilst equity turnover increased by a whopping 204%. In the bond market, during the week, the bond turnover in the domestic secondary market increased by 61%, whilst in the international market, the yields on Kenya's euro bonds were on a downward trajectory and declined by an average of 61 basis points. The yield on the 10-year eurobond, which matures in 2024, declined by about 110 basis points to 16.2%, down from 17.3% that was recorded the previous week. And now a look at Kenya's national debt. According to the Central Bank of Kenya, Total government debt as at July 2022 stood at 8.61 trillion shillings. And this was equally divided between domestic debt at 4.31 trillion shillings and foreign external debt at 36.58 billion US dollars, which is equivalent to 4.3 trillion shillings. Kenya's debt-to-GDP ratio now stands at 70%, which is 20% above the IMF's recommended threshold of 50% for developing countries. For upcoming economic events, we now look at the economic calendar. This coming week is a busy week on the data front, and it starts on Monday, the 31st of October when Eurostat releases data on the gross domestic product for the Eurozone in quarter three of 2022. The gross domestic product data is considered a broad measure of economic activity for the Eurozone. And on Tuesday, the 1st of November, the Institute of Supply Management releases manufacturing data for the U.S. economy in the month of October and is a significant indicator of overall economic conditions in the United States. On Wednesday, the 2nd of November, we are expecting the ADP employment change data, which is a measure of the change in the number of people employed in the U.S. The ADP report is usually a good indicator for non-farm payrolls, which is published two days later. On Wednesday, the 2nd of November, the U.S. Federal Open Market Committee, that is the FOMC, meets to decide on monetary policy and interest rates. The markets have already factored in a 75 basis point rate hike and will be more focused on the press conference thereafter for forward guidance on the pace of future rate hikes in the U.S. On Thursday, the 3rd of November, the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee will make a decision on the current level of interest rates. The Bank of England, which has so far executed six consecutive rate hikes and pushed its benchmark rate to 1.75%, is expected to hike rates by at least 50 basis points in line with other major central banks. On Friday, the 4th of November, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics releases non-farm payrolls for the month of October. 
This is a measure of the number of new jobs created during the previous month in all sectors except for the agricultural sector, hence the name non-farm payrolls. The number of new jobs created is closely correlated with the overall performance of the U.S. economy. And now, a look at the topical issue for this week. The topical issue this week is on the decline in Chinese loans to Kenya. China, which is the largest bilateral creditor to Kenya, has seen its lending to the country drop for the first time in 15 years. This is happening as Beijing adopts a more cautious lending approach to Africa, given that some nations have breached their borrowing capacities and are now at a high risk of defaulting on their debts. Data from the Kenyan Treasury shows that China's total lending dropped to $6.83 billion in June 2022. That was down from $7.05 billion in 2021. The decline in Chinese debt comes at a time when the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund have stepped up lending to Kenya. The International Monetary Fund in 2020 listed Kenya as one of more than 20 African countries that were at high risk of debt distress. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. As usual, thank you for listening to the Market Color podcast. We hope that you continue to find it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, in addition to our usual audio directories, that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music, the Market Color Podcast is now available on YouTube. Please subscribe and remember to turn on alerts to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. And as usual, I look forward to interacting with you again next week. But before I sign off, please allow me to share this Aboriginal saying. We are all visitors to this time and place. We are just passing through. Our purpose here is to observe, to learn, to grow, and to love. And then we return home. May you have a great week ahead. Thank you and God bless.